We love you, God. And we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. How are you guys doing? I want to add my appreciation and debt to Lauren Palmer's work here at First Methodist Carrollton. How long have you been here? 11, 12, 15, 20 years? Next Sunday, after, the, after each of our services, we're going to have a prayer time where people have the opportunity to pray over Lauren. And then, as Ron shared with you, our dinner of appreciation on the 15th of May. So you won't want to miss those two Sundays in our time of saying thank you for the great work that Lauren has done for us. And, and we wish you well as you transition to England. And I know that you'll be back and look forward to that day also. I look forward to that day also. Um, <clears throat> Confirmation Sunday. You guys ready? That's really enthusiastic. All right, get this over with, right? Do not like being in front of people. I got you. Um, this, this sermon series, Conversations with Jesus, depends on questions that I'm getting, and I've gotten some interesting questions. I uh, got one this morning, let's see, from one of our youngsters. Uh, Jesus, how do you fly? How do you do magic? And that's all the questions I have. I thought that was cute. I'm not sure exactly how old that she was. I think about, um, anyway. Um, but most of the questions have been good. And uh, next Sunday, I'll be dealing with uh, war. What does Jesus say about war? Um, why is it that there is war in the Bible? I'm going to deal with suffering. And I haven't decided whether I'm going to deal with it in the context of that question of war uh, or whether we'll have a separate uh, Sunday in dealing with that. There's been a couple of questions about the dependability of the Bible and the truth of the Bible. So we're going to, uh, we're going to look at that. And um, one of the questions that came from these, and what I do at the end of the, well, let me start all over. As pastors, we meet with each of you to, they write an essay, we meet with them, give them an opportunity to talk about their faith, talk about their experience over the last couple of months of examining their faith and, and their commitment to Christ. And then I ask them, do you have any questions? And one of them asks, um, does God really know me? How much do I matter to God? You know, that's not a new question, by the way. I've heard that question, and maybe you have too. Does God really know me? Does, does God really, do I really matter to God? Does my life matter? How much? Well, I want you to know, particularly this group sitting in front of me, and all of you to know, how much God cares about us and especially how well God knows us. God knows us 
better than we know ourselves. God knows us better than we know ourselves. And I also want you to know that I believe that God has something very special in mind for you. And and whether God is calling you to, to be a minister, as God called Jeremiah in the passage that Cindy read for you, that's really not any consequence. God doesn't call everyone to be a minister. But God calls all of us to something. That we have a purpose within this world as followers of Jesus Christ. That God has something special, intentional, direct for us something that will honor God and give glory to God in some special way. And I wonder, I wonder if maybe in this moment, in this place, that you might hear that call deep within you, that purpose. Maybe all of you might be hearing that call deep within you, whether you're 8 or 80, of what it is, that God has made you to be in God's kingdom. And so we're going to look at those three passages that Cindy read for you. The first one was Jeremiah's call. So we're going to talk about purpose. How much does God really know us? The second from Matthew, that we are a treasure. And then the third is at the end of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, about how Jeremiah is to be used and we are to be used as instruments in bringing God's kingdom. Let's pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength, our redeemer. May these words be your words. Hide me behind your cross, O God, that we all, including me, would hear your word for us today. Reassure us of your love and care your purpose, your hope, your love for us, for I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Does God really know me? He said to Jeremiah, before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before I shaped you in the womb, before you were an embryo, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. Now, for Jeremiah, the holy plans were a prophet to the nations. That's what he had in mind for Jeremiah. The question is, what does he have in mind for us? Because he has something in mind for all of us because he knows who we are. Each person was made for a purpose, and God has shaped and molded each individual differently and yet wonderfully. Only in following God can we find that purpose for which we have been created. And whether we're eight years old or 80, that purpose still exists. Unfortunately, friends, there is no retirement in God's kingdom. There is no retirement. God continues to use us. I see it was Friday. I was talking to one of our church members. I guess it's okay. Mary Kleipas. And uh, 94, I think. And, uh, and And she basically said, 
I guess God still has some work for me to do. Isn't that wonderful? I guess God still has some work for me to do. Let me put it this way. Each of us was made the way we are for a reason and a purpose. Our being, our birth, was not an accident. It was not an accident. And with all my heart, I believe that God has made us and brought us into being for a specific reason and for some specific purpose. And really a part of this life, you know, and a part of what sometimes is a struggle is discovering that purpose because we don't always know it. We have to live into it faithfully and grow in our faith as we come to understand what it is that God wants me to do and where does God want me to go, the person God wants me to be. And it may not be clear at this moment what that reason and what that purpose is, but there will be a point in the future that God will make it clear to us what that purpose is. And I just wonder this morning, particularly for the six of you, but really for all of us, would you be willing to say, Lord, make your purpose known in me. I want your purpose. And I accept that purpose no matter what it is. Whether, whether you speak to me through another person whether you speak to me through something that I'm reading, whether you speak to me through a scripture that I'm studying, whether you speak to me through a, a meditation, Lord, make your purpose known to me. I, I, I want that desperately in my life. Would you be willing to say to God, I'm not here in this world to just be my own. I'm not here to be whomever and whatever I want and how to please myself. I'm here to be what you want me to be, oh God, to who you created me to be. I want to say to you, God, I want to be yours for the rest of my life, wholly and completely. So today I give myself to you. And you know when we do that? It's an admission that God knows us. That God knows that purpose. Secondly, we are a treasure. Do we matter to God? <laughs> Absolutely. We are a treasure to God. Matthew quotes Jesus in this way. He says, what is the price of two sparrows? One it is one copper coin. But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs of your head are all numbered. By the way, there's a different kind of math that's used. It's a simpler math that's used on me than it is on others. Um, um, the counting is a little, Ron, a little, well, of course, for you, there's no math at all, is there? Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. There's an old joke about working people into sermons. But anyway. Um, but that's how, that's how well God knows us. And he continues, so don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. And this is not the only passage in the Bible where that affirmation of how much we mean to God is made. Jesus said to Nicodemus, 
And as quoted by John in chapter 3, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loved us so much. We mean so much to God. That God is willing to die for us because we are a treasure. We are a treasure. That's how much I matter to God. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I grew up in a performance-based family. Anybody say amen and can relate to that? In a performance-based family. And I knew I was loved, but for some reason, before my mother would say that she loved me, she always wanted to see my report card. (laughs) And so I was constantly, I was constantly trying to perform and, and to get her attention. And, and that got in, kind of ingrained into me that I had to earn my place. And when I became a Christian, I realized I didn't have to earn my place with God. That God loved me as I am. That God made me this way. And I didn't have to perform for God, but rather to have faith in God and to believe in not what I was doing but what God was doing for me. I realized, I think I was 19, when I realized that I was a treasure. And that was the day when deep in my heart that I realized that that I decided that for all of the math that I could do inside my head, that God was really calling me to be a pastor. That I didn't have to earn my way. And and what was really interesting about that moment in my life was that I didn't care where I ended up. I just wanted to serve God. It was absolutely crazy. My sister thought I was absolutely crazy. You know, she was saying, Johnny, our dad is a minister. Do you want to be like him? And I go, not really. She goes, do you, do you want to go all the places that daddy has been sent? And I go, not really. And she goes, then why are you doing this? And I said, because I trust God. And I really believe that God's going to take care of me. And I believe that God's going to take care of you. You are a treasure. You are a treasure. And then Jeremiah 29. I love Jeremiah 29. It is a very popular passage. This is uh, from the, uh, uh, I think it's the new uh, translation. Um, I, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you a future with hope. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I will listen. When you come and look for me, you will find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I will make sure you won't be disappointed. Now, that passage is used a lot, particularly on Confirmation Sundays and Senior Sundays. You know, I have a plan for you, not for harm, but for good, a future with hope. And... And we individualize that passage. And that is a misrepresentation of that passage. 
This passage was not meant for one person. It was meant for a whole nation. And here's the context of the passage. The message went to the people of Israel while they were in captivity, while they were slaves, and right before this, Jeremiah told them that God had said to them that they were going to be in slavery 70 more years. That doesn't sound like a very good future with hope. And, and, I, and, and as we look at this passage and, and, and see it as it being addressed to a people... What he's saying is is that even in the midst of the troubles of this world, God has a plan for us. Both as a people, as a world, and as individuals. This passage is written for us, not to us. It is as much a reminder as it is a promise that God is still in control no matter what life looks like. I mean, <clears throat> we are witnessing a war in Ukraine. We are witnessing a divided nation. We are witnessing <clears throat> crime that is increasing in our nation. We're, we're witnessing all kinds of promises. I mean, all kinds of problems around our world. And, and I truly believe that what God would say with these words... You see what's going on around you? I am offering you a promise of hope that I will not desert you. But instead, I plan to use God's people as a solution in the world's problems. That you shall be a people of hope that you shall be a people of promise, that you shall be a people who will make a difference, that you shall be a people who will offer, who will offer a, a joy and opportunity at the very worst moment. And I guess what I'm trying to say, especially to you six and to all of us, is that it is our turn to step into that moment, that we were made for a purpose, we are we are treasured by God, and God has great work for us to do right now because God is not done with creation. God is not done with this world, and God does not like what is happening in this world right now, and God is about the business of changing it and bringing to this world a new day and a new kingdom. And, and we have the opportunity, you have the opportunity as you come to kneel before God and have hands laid upon you to be confirmed in the faith, to say, okay, I want to be a part of this. I put my faith in Jesus Christ and I join with all the others that have promised to make a difference in this world, a difference for hope. It is a reminder that even though we face difficulties in this life, God's promises are still true. He is faithful, and he will bring us through. Yeah, many, many have taken this verse to mean that God will make their life easy or that they will get exactly what they want. 
that this verse is promising that we won't have any troubles. And I'll tell you what, that's what the Israelites wanted to hear. And that's not what Jeremiah told them. They were still going to be in slavery. But he was not going to desert them. And on the day that they were to be freed, that the new nation that they would become would be a nation that would be a witness for God among all the other nations. That the time that they had spent in slavery would not be wasted. The time that they had spent in oppression would not be wasted. The time that they had spent in suffering would not be wasted, but that God would use all of it for his purposes in this world. God knew you before you were born. He put a purpose in you while you were still an embryo in your mother's womb. And you are treasured by God beyond our wildest imaginations. And he is inviting you to be a part of bringing God's kingdom to this earth, to bringing heaven and earth together. Now, this passage is not a passage or a promise of a life where there's nothing to worry about. It is a promise that in the midst of problems, we can have hope and peace, that we can believe in a God that is working on our behalf, that is using us, using us, to bring God's spirit to this world. God is with us. God is with us. God knew you before you were born. Knows everything about you. Can you count the hairs on your head? I didn't. Well, there we go. One's counting. Okay, that's good. I like that. And God calls us to be instruments of love and peace for those around us. Let us pray. Lord God, as these come to make their commitment, we recommit ourselves to you. We receive you as Lord and as Savior. And I pray, Lord, if there's anyone else in this room that has questions about their own salvation or questions about their own commitment to you, that, that they, would, they would come forward and speak to one of our pastors, oh God, that we would have the opportunity to share the glory of living for you. The confidence. And I pray, oh God, that as you have put a purpose in these, so you would put a purpose in us. Make it clear, make it real. May we be led by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite our pastors to come forward and want to have a couple of folks I want to, that are a little different in this year's service. Dave Relke is our lay leader and um, as lay leader, he is going to be presenting the uh, confirmands this year um, as a symbol that we are a, we are a, a lay as well as clergy-led congregation.
that we are the body of Christ together. That those of us as pastors are set apart, but you together are with us in ministry. And then I also want to welcome Reverend Doug Miller, who's going to be with us today. He was a previous pastor here at our church. Somebody likes you, Doug. That's good news. (laughs) (laughs) And I invited Doug to be a part of this service because his grandson is going to be confirmed uh, this morning. And so it is an honor to have you, Doug. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And so, Dave, present those to be confirmed. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through the water and the spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. Through confirmation and through the reaffirmation of our faith, we renew the covenant declared at our baptism, acknowledge what God is doing for us, and affirm our commitment to Christ's holy church. I present Miller Matthew Heron. Got a cheering section. I present Brooke Kakada Lack. I present Vea Mendio Ramos. I present Maya Lee Seegers. I present Sean David Williams. And I present Eric Herndon Barrow for baptism. I know that each of you have invited Jesus into your heart. You accepted him as Lord and Savior. And so we ask you now to make that public before this congregation. And so on behalf of the whole church, I ask you, Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sins? Can you say that again? There you go. Okay. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil and justice and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races. And according to the grace given to you, will you remain faithful members of Christ's holy church and serve as Christ's representatives in the world? And for the church, 
Do you, as Christ's holy body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? We do. Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include these persons now before you in your care? With God's help, we will proclaim the good news and of Christ. We will surround these persons with community of love. in the way that leads to life. Please stand and join uh, together in a, please stand and join together in professing the Christian faith as a contained in the scripture of the Old and the New Testament. Do you believe in God the Fathers? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? You may be seated. Let us pray. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and those who receive it, to wash away their sin and clothe them in righteousness throughout their lives, that by dying and being raised with Christ, they may share in his final victory. Amen. Amen. Eric Herndon Barrow. Eric, do you desire to be baptized in this faith? I do. Eric Herndon, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Miller Matthew Heron. Remember your baptism and be thankful. Amen. Miller Matthew. 
the Holy Spirit will work within you. That having been born through the water and the Spirit, you may live as a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Brooke, Kakada, Lack. Remember your baptism and be thankful. Amen. Brooke Kakada, the Holy Spirit work within you that having been born through water and the Spirit, you may live as a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Bea, remember your baptism and be thankful. Amen. Vea Mandio, the Holy Spirit work within you that having been born through water and the Spirit, you may live as a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Maya Lee Seegers. Remember your baptism and be thankful. Amen. Maya Lee, the Holy Spirit work within you, that having through, been through, born through water and the Spirit, you may live as a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Sean David Williams. Remember your baptism and be thankful. Amen. Sean David, the Holy Spirit work within you, that having been born through water and the Spirit, you may live as a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Eric Herndon Barrow. Remember your baptism and be thankful. Amen. <laughs> Eric Herndon. The Holy Spirit work within you that having been born through water and the Spirit, you may live as a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 As many of as many as you of you know, we give each of our confirmands a rock of remembrance. And this rock has two names on it. It has their given name and it has the name disciple. And in the Old Testament, we see God instructing his people to create rocks of remembrance. And uh, to the confirmands, uh, this is your rock to remember that you are confirming what God is doing in your life. Uh, as we saw with uh, Sydney Taylor's rock, Sydney's about to be a uh, senior in high school, and it has been amazing to watch her grow, and just as it will be amazing to watch you all grow. And so uh, as you uh, receive this rock, continue to grow in your faith. The New Testament commands us that as uh, followers of Jesus Christ, we are to be rooted within a community of faith. 
that in that community of faith, we are held accountable, we grow in our faith, we, uh, we continue to, uh, to come to know Jesus at a deeper and deeper level. And so, um, you come not only to receive Jesus Christ, but become a member of this church. And so, as members of Christ's universal church, will you be loyal to Christ through this United Methodist Church? And will you faithfully participate in its ministries by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? And members of the household of God, I commend these persons to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase their faith, confirm their hope, and perfect them in love. We give thanks. thanks.